All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. It only You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD. 
capital C, capital D is all one word, Convo DD. That will give you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app, folks. Does not get much better than that. My name is Dave Grigelli, joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer is Alex Allard. High above Rogers Arena, as you can see now, because... Even higher. Yeah, even higher, because on our live show... We've changed the camera angle. You've got a full green screen behind you now. Yep. So I'm excited to see what Alex does with that. But I just realized you can like see what kind of pants I'm wearing now when I come into the studio. So I'm wearing sweatpants today. I wasn't really thinking about it. But I've, I've been wearing sweatpants every day this week. Yeah, people are nice. I don't know. We didn't test this camera. But now I can see everyone can see up what's going on on my desk here. Yeah. Way more people than I like. I got my lunch. Yeah. This is what you do when the prospects start coming out. You got the That's chicken. Right. I'm, I'm chicken ready. Penne. Yeah, chicken penne. It's actually very, very tasty. Chicken uh, Alfredo. Shout out the girlfriend. Good see Great. You. Very good. Okay. Uh, joining us on today's show is Todd Bertuzzi. Oh, I'm pumped for that. We're very excited to chat with uh, Mr. Bertuzzi. Uh, so all of our guests brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. There, you can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey season. That will give you $5 off your order uh, at ZephyrEpic.com. Z-E-P-H-Y-R. Epic on all platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, what have you. Mm -hmm. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. They've got a retail location in Surrey. And folks, our promo code still works there. So be sure to check out Zephyr Epic. I got my uh, new Pokemon card in the mail. You might have seen it in the background there. Oh, jeez. What the there hell are you doing? Well, I've got stuff open here. I got 15 tabs. They got me running five different things here. So, yeah. Who's we'll they? It's all you. The Nation Network folks. They got me running 15 different things here. I got a million tabs. My bad there. We're all good. Podcast is only. But I wanted to show the people on YouTube here. Bang. Got my newest Pokemon card, and it is a gorgeous one. I can't get the damn the damn so, glare here. So, for the podcast listeners, it's a Mewtwo, but you can't, even the live show listeners can't see it because Faber doesn't practice this. And well, he's got, got the sun beating on him. And what's going on? Uh, it's the green screen behind me. It's not the green screen's fault. It's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. You're, you're pointing it toward a window. There's a reflection. Well, I'm just saying, I got a Pokemon, uh, new Pokemon card, Mewtwo. The collection's coming together real good. Real good. Real good. It's going to, but I have to save Charizard for the end. He's $500 Charizard card. Uh, Bill Juan Too jumped much. in the chat and asked, "Did Faber just finish caddying? Because you've got your little golf oh yeah, on. this is what this is good for the YouTube folks here. This is a, a custom Canucks combo um, visor. Visor, visor. Look at that. Custom, got, there's only one of one of these. Me, Harmon, uh, Harmon in the back seat. Me in the front seat. I'm getting a haircut tomorrow too. One more day on the show. I'll have I'm, this I'm getting one trim. on Saturday. It's getting a little long for me. What are you me. doing to the bangs? Uh, you know what? I haven't decided. I'll probably keep them. To be honest with you, okay. probably just." The sides, the back, what have you. This is normally just my golfing visor, too. I only wear this golfing, but I thought it looked good with uh, the amount of hair I have right now. Pushing it all up into a spot. Hey, the Canucks won a game. Oh, yeah, baby. The Vancouver Canucks won a hockey game, folks. Mm -hmm. They won last night in Buffalo. Recording this Wednesday. Tuesday night in Buffalo, they come out with the win. We're going to give our takeaways, of course, as we always do. Another win. Pull it up, Alex. Well, one, one thing that I noticed... This is, you know, we've had a chance to see Tage Thompson before, right? Oh. That guy's incredible. <laughs> like, watching him play last night, that's going to be a steal of a contract. What's he at? 8.1 something? Somewhere around there. It, it's a hair over 8 million. And you look at that contract and you're just like, wow, with the cap going up too, that's going to be one of the best contracts in hockey. You have to think, right? It, mm, it's going to age like one of the best in hockey. Man, you watch that line play together and, like, Tuck is huge. Thompson's huge. Skinner scores two goals in the game. Like, man, Thompson, I tweeted out last night. I think I think Tage Thompson's my favorite player to watch in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. 
I like the size and I like the skill and the combination he has in the play he set up there. The I don't know. I think it was the second Skinner goal, was it? Just like such a beautiful toe drag and just excellent stuff. You saw Tyler Myers checking him mm. and they were at the same height and I was like whoa oh yeah I I'm mean, not used to seeing that no but look at the way Thompson moves and he handles the puck it reminds me of Todd Bertuzzi back in the day he would join us in about 10 minutes time it's here. fitting that we're having Todd Bertuzzi join the show also well, in the I chat, chat a little power forwards with him yeah absolutely uh in the chat we've got a lot of people jumping in Sterling Wilson jumps in early made a good point isn't winning counterintuitive to the rebuild yeah sure is well hang on a sec oh because I think you're allowed to enjoy wins during a rebuild, during whatever the hell's going on with this team, okay. right? The only way that wins become counterintuitive or scary or whatever for fans, I think, is if this organization looks at it and let's say they make a coaching change and they start getting a bunch of wins and they basically say, well, look at this team. It's pretty good. All we need to do is make a couple tweaks on the defense and we're fine. I think that's when the worry starts coming in. It, like, yeah. Sure. Wins are counterintuitive to this season, but I think that's only when you've made trades and decided that you're actually punting on the season. Because we talk about, yeah, it's great. Maybe they'll get Connor Bedard. Maybe they'll get a really high draft pick. We have to see some trades before that happens. We we all know the turnaround's coming. This team's going to win games. They're not built to lose like they have been. It's telling that they have lost like they have been, but they're going to turn it around. Like We've been saying it for a while. They're going to turn it around, and once they do... You're going to start to see the wins pile up. It's going to hurt their draft positioning. So again, you can enjoy wins. You can enjoy wins for now, as long as the idea from the organization doesn't change to being like, okay, well, maybe that start was, wasn't the real us, and this is the real us now that we're winning games. The way the, one, the Canucks won last night, Spencer Martin wasn't spectacular in goal, but the Sabres came away from that loss really upset with themselves. Like, Don Grau was talking after the game and he was just like, hey, you know what? That was a really bad game for us and we need to be a lot better than that. And over here, people are saying, well, the Canucks played great. The Canucks did great. So that's kind of the difference is the Canucks can beat teams who are off their game when the Canucks are on their game, if that makes sense. And again, I'm not nitpicking a win and I don't want this to get misconstrued at all, but nobody's looking at that victory last night in the organization and saying, Okay, this is this is going to be uh, the team we build around. Never mind the start of the season; we can forget about that. So you yeah. can enjoy wins. I don't know. No, I think yeah, you can enjoy it, but also at the same time, like how many times did Buffalo have? I wouldn't even say like near scoring chances where the final pass just just missed the stick blade, right? Like it just missed the stick blade or something, and like it looked like it was an almost like grade A scoring chance. But good teams make those passes, and I think that was a little bit of the worrisome in that game because yeah, it was. Uh, you know the Canucks. They played. They played well. They scored goals, right? They scored a lot of goals defensively. They were okay. There was. A, there was. You know, I, I didn't think they were great defensively as well. I found it really interesting just watching some of the ice time at the end. Like, how much did Kyle Burrows end up playing at the end of the game there compared to OEL? Right. Like Burrows got a really good run. Is it with, with Burrows? I can't believe that he like was a healthy scratch. I know like, it's wild. Does he not show up every game and like impress you more and more and more every single game he plays in? Like he looks like the better. Better player every time he hops in. Alex, can you cut it to quads? I got to grab the camera. I got to call Todd Bertuzzi here in a minute. Well, I was thinking about something, and I'll say this. You can listen up. But here's what I was thinking about was that (laughs) – Alex, cut to you taking down the camera. Uh, Here's what I was thinking about was that, you know, you you just brought it up, that Kyle Burrows compete level. And Kyle Burrows, if you had six Kyle Burrows in the back end, you might give up some goals, but at least everybody would be trying to be way more fun to watch. And I think that's kind of what people are looking for in a rebuild because – 
Look, I understand players like Kyle Burroughs don't grow on trees, but they grow on more trees than players like Elias Pettersson and players like Brock Besser, even these higher-paid players. Mm. You can find guys like Kyle Burroughs. You can find guys with good compete levels and put them in your lineup. Maybe the results won't be there. Like Kyle Burroughs isn't a first-pairing defenseman, but you can find these guys. It doesn't have to be this ocean of species that we're becoming accustomed to. What I'm saying is that you can actually find these guys that just have good compete levels and are fun to watch. Like, play with speed, play with heart. Nobody's complaining if you're losing games with those guys in your lineup because they're making no money. Everybody knows they're not here for the long haul. They're just here to help you get over that hump and through the rebuild. It's not impossible to craft a team. And again, I would I would argue that, you know, right now, Kyle Burroughs, like having Kyle Burroughs in your lineup is maybe marginally worse than having Tyler Myers in those same minutes. Right. That's the thing. It's like Kyle Burroughs is almost like the blueprint of, of being able to still like have Canucks fans be excited about hockey, but also looking into the future. And I'm not saying that Kyle Burroughs is the guy, but yeah. it, you don't need, you know, we saw Jim Benning do this so much of like guys that were going to help this team build into something with the young players where it's like, you know, adding Louis Erickson, uh, adding Jay Beagle for leadership, like these type of players, like there's like give Kyle Burrows a chance, local kid who loves like bleeds blue and green, like loves to play for this team goes out there and gives you a solid effort every single night. So yeah, I mean like nobody's talking, he's, he's the blueprint, right? Like he's the perfect blueprint moving forward. Nobody talks about Kyle Burrows as like a locker room cancer, no, right? And it's not like, Oh, players must hate watching Kyle Burrows play. Like if, if you're giving it, you're all the way Kyle Burrows is each and every night. It's not going to do any harm to your room. And again, I keep hearing this. I bring it up every show, it feels like. But this idea that, oh, if you rebuild, it's going to harm that room. No, it's not. Not if you have the right guys in there. Yeah, and those right guys aren't like... There's, that's the thing you bring it up. Like, Kyle Burrows is never going to hurt your room. You can find a lot of guys that aren't going to hurt your room on league minimum deals. So, in conclusion, like the Canucks time. can build around Kyle Burrows. They can rebuild around Kyle that's what, Burrows. That's what we're saying, yeah. Kyle Burrows, Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes. That's all you need. Yeah. Not brings up a good point in the chat. I'm worried wins will stop Aquilini from being forced to rebuild. Because, yeah, that's what it almost feels like it's going to take. It's going to be something yeah. that's going to force the Canucks to but rebuild. But if you win in commanding fashion, it's one thing. Last yep. night, you know what? Last night, the Canucks did put in a full effort. It was probably their first full effort of the season, if we're being honest. Mm. Like, they looked good basically all night last night. There was no moment, well, obviously the third because of everybody's been hurt before, where you looked at that game and you were like, wow, the Canucks are really going to blow this. Like, they outscored their problems. Their goalie wasn't fantastic last night. Spencer Martin drops below a 900 save percentage on the season now. Uh, in the stats, he's Michael Liu pointed out that uh, he was below a goal saved above expected. Um, so that wasn't good. He it wasn't great last night. Um, on the bright side, none of the low danger chances beat Martin, so there was that. Um, Canucks defended okay last night. There was a lot of different things that happened. Um, again, like, Martin wasn't great, but the Canucks actually put in a complete effort. But again, it wasn't it wasn't in any sort of commanding fashion. Like, they benefited from Craig Anderson being in net, right? Like, it wasn't a win that makes anybody, you hope, I don't think, makes anybody go, this team, this team has no problems, this team doesn't need no. to rebuild we're fine no, never mind no. that's the thing it's like you know a little bit more leash was probably given to bruce boudreau after yesterday because like i tell you what a loss i think he would have been gone i think that's the situation would it be it still might even happen with it you got two full days off here i just i, I thought it, if it was going to happen i think it was going to happen today like earlier this morning i i'm a little surprised to see 
well, yeah, I'm a little surprised to see Bruce is still going to be here. And, and Friday's their next game. They still have a full day off tomorrow, so things could change. They're not on the ice today, so uh, we'll, we'll have to see what things happen. And I think we could probably know the news tomorrow if it does break by then. But, man, yeah, you, you can't be in that spot now of just thinking. Like, even me mentioning the word leash, I don't even like saying that because it's like, I don't think there is any leash left, right? Like, uh, the, that's the unfortunate thing. And as much as I'd like to see Bruce... Turn things around, have some exciting games this season. It's still very early in the season. I just don't think that there's a lot of hope for for this to be turned around moving forward here. So it's unfortunate, uh, but they're in a bad spot. It's time for change, right? Like that's that's the game last night doesn't really change much uh, in that point of view. But uh, before we get to Todd Bertuzzi here in just a couple of minutes, uh, can we spend a little time with Will Lockwood? I want to. I yeah. really do. Top Will dog Lockwood. last night, Will Lockwood. Yeah. So look at that. <laughs> look at the flow in that. Picture. Where's Pearson? He's injured, but he's injured. Uh, Will <laughs> he Lockwood. Surgery. Will Lockwood. He's going up. The stock is going up on Will Lockwood. I liked him last night. I liked a lot of what he did. A lot of, a lot of what he did last night looked like a lot of what he does in the AHL, which was exciting because I think that's been hard for him uh, to transition his skills. We talked to him last week on the show. We, we, we even talked about this after he joined us. was just like seeing him put things together that he does well in the AHL and transitioning that to the NHL is such a difficult thing to do. But he did that. Like, he, he was a very effective player on the Canucks' fourth line last night and finally gets his first uh, NHL point, which was huge. Like, for him to just get that point out of the way in his first game this season, I think that's huge. Because we, how much was talked about when, you know, you're just going through the stats of Will Lockwood, even, like, putting together lineups or whatever in the offseason. You're like, he still doesn't have a point in those first 15 games. So for him to get that point, just a, like a, just a secondary assist. Like, just get it out of the way. Have that point on the board. I, I think that's big for his confidence. And I think you know, to kind of round that out, like his confidence right now is, is huge. I think it's, it's at the best that he's had in his career. I'd have to think, right? Like he's playing good in the HL comes in the NHL, makes an immediate impact. There was a huge hit uh, at one point during the game. And he was, yeah, he was the top dog, like 90, I think what was it? 97.6 rating or something like a really good debut for him, the dog ratings. And he's the type of player that's going to, I think have a really good dog rating throughout the season. So uh, yeah, really liked Will Lockwood in his first day, in his first game. You haven't seen him as much as I have. What would you think in the NHL? Well, I mean, I've heard about his AHL scoring, and you hear about all this, and then you look at his NHL play, and you just see that he hasn't had any points in his career. And I think that was the concern with everybody, right? Like, I, I've criticized him in the past, saying, "Okay, well, everybody's considering this guy a prospect." No, he's a guy who's now 24 years old, hasn't scored when he's been in the NHL, hasn't really done anything beyond play a style of play that everybody kind of thinks is unsustainable for a guy his size. Last night, he was doing all the right things. He was Mm. getting shots on net. He looked more confident with the puck than I think I've ever seen him. Like, he he brought some offensive flair to that fourth line. That goal they scored was ridiculous. Like, I use the term ridiculous, and Patrick had problems with that. Uh, But, you know, it was was good to kind of see Will Lockwood. Uh, on here yeah I really liked what a lot of you do it's just it was an exciting game last night and uh yeah felt like back in the days in the west coast express express era so when we get to a guest from that era Todd Bertuzzi joining us now Todd how you doing man good day my friends I'm doing fantastic how's everyone doing up there oh it's awesome it is a uh I'm hoping that you get some sun here while uh when you get here to Vancouver because we are looking at one of the cloudiest foggiest days which I'm sure you remember from your time in Vancouver and are probably seeing some of those in Michigan but uh I on that note how excited are you just to get back here man I know I heard you on Donnie and Dolly mentioning that you make a trip out here to go to Whistler or try to every winter but it must just be a good feeling for you coming back to Vancouver I assume 
No, it is, especially for this uh, charity event. And I hope a lot of people get out and come watch. There's some great guys showing up. I know Brendan Morris is going to be there, Brad May. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys. And, uh, yeah, it's always fun coming back into town. One of the greatest foodie cities there is around. Uh, great restaurants, bars, everything. There's so much to see. Usually when I get out there, I go and try and get the grouse grind in. I try to tour around as much as I can, but I do get out to Whistler as much as uh, I can during uh, each year to go uh, skiing. So, uh, But uh, this this time forward, I'm looking out to get the dust off my hockey bag. It's been about a couple of years since I put the blades on, but I've kept in shape, and uh, and I'm looking forward to coming out and seeing a lot of familiar faces. Absolutely. We'll see if we can get some betting odds on you scoring a couple uh, in the game on the weekend. I remember... Uh, in 2020, you were out at uh, UBC at the um, at the Canucks Autism Network game, and you were rocking the Red Wings gear. Are you switching to blue and green? Or are you sticking with the Red Wings gear? Because you got some pop uh, when they no, announced you. Uh, yeah, no, I got red. I got what I got when I retired. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if anyone knows, but when you retired, even though you played 18 to 20 seasons, you get stuck with the equipment you last played for, <laughs> and there's no other equipment to get. So. Uh, I do have hockey bags filled with Canuck stuff that I kept over the years, uh, Anaheim Duck stuff, Calgary stuff. So I do have sets of equipment, but they are in storage collecting more and more <laughs> dust. So the freshest stuff I got is, uh, is the Red Wing uh, wheel. But uh, we all know that uh, some of my greatest memories and highlights were uh, in a Canuck uniform for sure. Todd, I don't want to ask you to just pick one, but... What is your biggest memory from being a Vancouver Canuck? Like, what's the thing that sticks with you the most? Oh, I got to say, collectively, um, Marcus, Mo, I remember if I miss anyone, I apologize. Dan Kluge, Matthias Olin, uh, that whole gang, Sammy Salo, Dan Kluge, Brad May, Ed Jovanowski, that whole group that came together and turned that city upside down by our play and making it one of the most watched uh, uh, teams, even in the East Coast, for how we played. Uh, I know a lot of people contribute the West Coast Express and all that, but we had a lot of guys who contributed at the Mac Cook, the Yarko Root, too. Just a whole bunch of beauty guys that uh, I know if we all look back, we wish we would have accomplished more. But I think putting Vancouver back on the map putting fans in the stands and uh, making ownership a lot of money and uh, making it uh, much, much uh, watch TV. I think that's what I take uh, a lot of pride in. With that group, was there an individual moment or was there kind of, when did you realize that that group was special? Uh, unfortunately, we're special in regular season. Um <laughs> And it, and it still hurts to this day that we couldn't accomplish more in the playoffs. I know uh, losing to the Red Wings and then losing to Minnesota. And then uh, the series that I wasn't in when the guys battled hard, we lost to Calgary. I think those were probably three opportunities and chances that we could have taken more advantage of. Um, I don't know. It was fun seeing Marcus win MVP uh, uh, scoring titles. It was fun. Uh, just seeing individual successes for different guys and, and how popular, uh, the other guys became in, in the hockey world and all that. And like I said, we look back on it. We, we had a very, very good group of 
misfit toys that uh, <laughs> like to entertain and have a lot of fun. I think that, you know what, the word you said there at the end was the, the thing that I take away from that era was fun, right? Like you, you and that group of players created so many fans here in Vancouver and, and you mentioned it, you guys brought Vancouver. I, I don't want to say on the map, but like really what you guys did was create so many fans at that time. When you look back at it, like, I don't know, I can't even imagine the emotions you had in like the 2002, 2003 season, but like, were you aware how in love this city was with what you guys were doing on the ice? Like, did you feel the fan base just, you know, absolutely falling in love with what you guys are doing with the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's no different. We're chasing what Trevor Linden, Kirk McLean, uh, Cortnell, uh, that whole group, Yerke Lume, uh, Dana Merzen, Dave Babich, all the stuff that those guys contributed and did back then. And when they had so much success and lost to the Rangers, but that city was crazy at that time. And I know it went through a lull where the team wasn't as good. Changes needed to be made. It was just fun that we were that group to come in and do the exact same thing that they did. Unfortunately, we didn't have uh, that kind of playoff success. And then to see what the Sedins uh, and their whole crew with Juice and, and my boy Cass and, uh, and Burroughs and that crew and how they took it to another level after that. But yeah, 100%, man. The crowds and the fans of the people, it was, uh, I don't know, coming from Sudbury, Ontario, and uh, just wanted to be a hockey player and then getting thrown into uh, where we were considered and looked at in Vancouver. It was like, I don't know, you felt like a rock star kind of times and how people treat you and how awesome it was and going out to restaurants and all this kind of stuff. And then even on the road, our fans traveled, they traveled in packs and, they were loud and they're always around. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was, it was a very, very cool era. Very, very cool time. Todd, with looking at that group, I'm curious because it's kind of funny looking at the Canucks uh, locker room right now. And a lot of people talk about Luke Shen being the dad of the group. Was, was there ever a dad in the locker room <laughs> back in your days there? Ooh, good question. Um, for me, I would say the grandpapa who, <laughs> uh, you don't want to, off, but you had so much respect to him. For me, my guy was Murray Barron. I love that guy. He was a uh, stalwart in the NHL. He was huge for us in Vancouver with his leadership, his presence, uh, his professionalism. So for me, coming in, I would say that he was a figure that I looked up to that kind of settled all the little kids down when things were getting a little bit rowdy or out of control and being able to reel us all back and actually keep us humble and, and prepared each and every time. Okay, we've heard how much fun that group had off the ice. We had Sammy Salo on the show over a year ago now, and we asked him for the best practical joke that anybody ever played uh, on that team. So he was telling us that Matt Cook had this sweater that kept getting stolen by his teammates and hidden, uh, and he bought a padlock to make sure that nobody could get it. Uh, somebody got bolt cutters. I think Sammy told us it was Yarko Rutu that got bolt cutters, broke the lock, and then hung the sweater from the rafters ahead of a morning skate or a practice. Uh, and that really pissed off Matt Cook, apparently. Do you have a different story for us, uh, some off-ice antics uh, that stands out? Uh, that definitely happened. You can tell it happened because <laughs> those two squared off maybe a week later in practice and went toe-to-toe, and we kind of just allowed it to happen. I think that's the best part of our era. There were fights all the time in practice, and it, it, it was some kind of stuff, but... Uh, 
No, I'd say one of the bigger, one of the biggest guys who did stuff like that, Brad May, was was uh, pretty shady and dirty when it came to practical <laughs> jokes and all that kind of stuff. And he's obviously one of my best friends, my mentors, guys I've looked up to, and we still have a very, very close relationship and tight relationship. Just stuff you do. I know, and I forget what player it was or whatever, but I remember we were coming out of practice at eight rink up in Burnaby and uh, I totally forget who it is, but it was a brand new car and the whole thing was filled with popcorn. <laughs> and I know for the longest time people tried to figure it out and all this kind of stuff. And I actually forget because it was so long ago whose car it was, but I remember that Brad was behind it and then it started this whole thing, but nothing ever got too out of control or too crazy. Uh, we just had a lot of fun to be honest with you. That's that's awesome. And I, I, I kind of wanted to ask, I mean, obviously, you know, quads, like, I don't even think you were born. My co-host here was born when you were traded to the Canucks, but like, I grew up watching you play, watching you and Marcus Naslin Morris and that line together. Like how much fun was it playing with both of those guys? I know you, you still, you know, keep in contact with Morris. I think I heard he, he moved up near you as well. So that's kind of cool. But that trio, like we look at that as Canucks fans that watch this team growing up at that time. And, just loved it. I mean, there were songs written about you guys of the Patuzzi, Morrison, Naslin scores, all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. when you look back at that trio coming together, what was like, what was something that brought you guys together chemistry wise? Like what was it that worked so well with you three? It was L three brought different things to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as Marcus with his leadership, his shot, his speed, his hockey IQ, uh, Brendan with his 200 foot game, brilliant hockey IQ. He doesn't get enough credit for how intelligent he played the game. Even back then when we were playing a run and gun game, or at least me and Marcus were, uh, <laughs> Mo knew how to play 200 feet and, uh, to make sure that we ended up as plus players during, uh, that run that we had a lot of fun. And then obviously with me, I would come in and I just played my game. I tried to be physical. I played when I need to. I stood up for my teammates. Uh, I thought I had pretty, pretty good skill with the puck. I love to be creative. That's the part is the creativity. Mm. Uh, our practices were some of the most fun. I wish more people could have watched and they could have been filmed because as much as Crow uh, hated and all that, we would just continuously just, kind of globe trot through practices with drop passes and do stuff that you see a lot of the creative kids do nowadays. That's why I'm, I'm pretty stoked where the game is right now with how these kids are being very creative, doing things that I think we all wish that we could have done back then, but it was so frowned upon to do a little bit of hot dogging and all that. <laughs> but uh, I hope that the coaches allow the leash to keep extending so we can see the greatest game on earth keep getting better because these kids are filthy with the puck and I enjoy watching a lot of their skill. Oh, it's incredible. I don't know how many between the legs goals Connor Bedard has scored in the <laughs> WHL this year. It's been ridiculous to watch, but Hey, hey Todd, you were, Dude, I, Hey, Hey, I was, I, I, I was doing that in junior, but I was <laughs> yelled at and benched at at the same time. So that was going on way back in the nineties when it was frowned upon to go between your legs. I've been doing that forever getting yelled at, but I didn't care. I was going to pull off a play and get benched at the same time. I just did it my way. Okay, so how many Michigans did you pull off then in your junior career, Todd? <laughs> oh, the, the Michigan I would try all the time, but I didn't have the kahunu to pull it off in a game because of the coaches. So if you know every coach that I had, I'm pretty sure you can go through the list. 
none of them were of the, the young variety who would allow that kind of creativity. So it would probably be I would do a practice and do a lot of it when they weren't on the ice because, you know, if they get a glimpse of you trying to do something stupid or creative, <laughs> that they're going to make sure that they put an end to it right away. That's the way it was back then. Yeah, it's And all the guys can attest to it. Yeah, no, I, not the first time we've heard that. Uh, I guess what I wanted to kind of close out here with was, you know, you were a power forward back in the day, really established that. And the first time I think Vancouver's seen that just absolute dominance from a power forward at the time. What do you think of the evolution of a power forward? I think it's changed so much. And we saw Tage Thompson yesterday at Buffalo. I mean, I I, I said it at the start of this show, like he, he might be my favorite player to watch right now, like six foot seven moving around the ice like he does. What what do you think about the kind of new age version of power forwards that have to play in this speed and skill game that we're seeing right now? Yeah, and well, I've been witnessing this six foot nine kid that we have in Detroit here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce Soderstrom. I forget how to, I forget how to pronounce yeah. it. Whatever, six foot nine, filthy mitt. The guy can wheel. I don't know if you can consider. Uh, power forward anymore. I don't think it's power forward. I think it's. They, they, I don't know, even know if it's around anymore. A power forward, hmm. if you're to tell, ask me to drop a power forward, my power forward is uh, the likes of a Cam Neely, Eric Ruindras, uh, John LeClaire, mm-hmm. Michael Renberg, uh, myself, Keith Kachuk. Uh, and I know I'm missing a whole bunch of them. Uh, Rick Talkin, like everyone brought different stuff and all that. But I don't know if it's, if it's even close to like that now, like, Connor McDavid's a big, huge dude who just wheels around, and he's a power forward with lightning bolt speed. Mm-hmm. So then you have uh, Wilson in Washington who can chip in 20 goals, 15, 20 goals, who can fight and hit. So I think there is a, a big, more uh, broad uh, version of what a power forward is. I think it kind of is not like the way when I grew up and came up and all that. Like There was just I don't know. It was just it was just a whole different style of play. And like I said, my mentors coming up were were Cam Neely. I, w- I got to watch front C with Eric Lindros. Mind you, he's a centerman. I don't know if it's a winger or centerman is considered power four, but he was a big dude that played with speed, filthy hands, put up a hundred points. And then I got to see Keith the Chalk, uh, Owen Nolan. So I think I was in an era where I got to see some of the more prolific. Uh, power forwards that the game will ever see, and I don't know if it'll ever be seen or duplicated again like that. Yeah, I, I agree. And back to that, this is final one from us here, Todd. We appreciate your time. Um, yeah, I think no that worries. we've seen an evolution there. We've seen an evolution with defensemen. I, I think back to the way that Darius Hatcher played or Chris Pronger played. Uh, defensemen, they look and move and hit a little bit different this year. Who was that toughest guy for you to go up against? And I mean, you had a lot of them there with Colorado and Detroit. Who was that guy that, like, even in your spot as, you know, the prime power forward in the whole NHL, who was like, oh, man, i got to go up against this guy tonight? Well, yeah, you, you name, like, Chris Stronger, uh, the Barrett Jackman, Adam Foot. Like, I, I hate to keep going back to my era and all this, but I love my era. I thought my era was <laughs> yeah. the baddest, toughest, coolest era in the world. I really did. And Hell yeah. Through my era, we also had super heavyweights, and a lot of them were my close friends and good friends. That lady played two minutes a game, but they had to go get like so. I got to see everything and anything that the the, the New Jersey trap where offense wasn't there. But so I was fortunate; I got to see all that. Uh, saying all that, my toughest opponent 
would have had to been Nick Lidstrom, uh, a non-physical, probably the highest defenseman hockey IQ. His stick was ridiculous. I could never hit him. Uh, I could never engage him. I could never piss him off. I could do nothing to him other than he would just frustrate me with his stick, his positioning, uh, and his demeanor. Like He doesn't even talk uh, trash or any of that kind of stuff. And then I was fortunate enough to play with him, and he's one of the most incredible guys I've ever come across. But just to watch him in practice, I know how – uh, how that would make uh, how he frustrated everyone because that happened to me so many times with playing against Detroit and I could never track him down find him he knocked down a two-on-one place so you would think it would have been like a Chris Pronger and all that but I'd rather have a head-to-head combat battle mm. going after it fighting and running around each other cross-checking each other all that kind of stuff in the net but no I, I would say Nick was probably probably the most difficult one for sure Awesome. Well, Todd, we appreciate it. We're, you know, happy here to see you uh, coming back to Vancouver. We loved watching the West Coast Express era. Uh, very happy you didn't have to fit your game into the uh, New Jersey trap from the early 2000s. We're happy to see you play a little wide open here on the West Coast. So thanks a ton for uh, for joining us here today. And hopefully we can do this again down the road. Uh, enjoy Vancouver. Uh, yeah, awesome. Appreciate you guys having me on here and look forward to coming out and seeing everyone. You guys take care. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Todd. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There he is, Todd Bertuzzi. Can we just stop the show now? That like, was that awesome. was awesome. That also, was awesome. I so as people know, I don't do much prep. <laughs> no, but I as we were talking, and he brought up the group. I'm so glad he said Sammy. I'm just call him Sammy Solo. Sammy Sallow. Mm-hmm. So glad he brought him up because that triggered for me the story right. about that sweater with Matt Cook, and it was so nice to have. Uh, have Todd confirmed that that story is true? Not that yeah. I think Sammy he would like lie to very us. much confirmed as yeah. well. He's like that is absolutely that absolutely happened. <laughs> yeah, and he was laughing as I was telling it. It was hilarious. Uh, yeah, our thanks again to Todd Bertuzzi. Just it's so nice to take a walk down memory lane, oh, especially I mean, you know, that's that's where I grew up like liking this Canucks team from. Right? Like I remember Todd Bertuzzi scoring a hat trick in the first game I ever went to in person down here at Rogers Arena, which was GM Place at the time. Like 
that, yeah, awesome to have uh, to have Todd on the show. And man, like, what a great interview! Yeah, I didn't like, know what I didn't know what to expect with Todd because I've I've never chatted with him before. He's never been on the show before. But man, I I hope he wants to come back. That was that yeah, was awesome. That was so I'd much love to fun do that again. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I, I found his his uh, answer about mm. Nick Lidstrom really yeah. interesting because I wonder. Not surprising though. No, not surprising it, but... at all. Not surprising at all. But yeah, you you hear more and more. People like that nowadays, like you hear people say, oh, well, Quinn Hughes is the toughest guy to go against or, you know, these skill guys. I'm using Quinn Hughes as an example, of course. But to hear it from, you know, a guy who made his money in the NHL by being this, you know, physically imposing forward that was never shying away from any sort of battle for him to say that Nick Lidstrom was the toughest opponent he ever went up against. Mm -hmm. It was very, very interesting to hear that, I must say. I I really like that answer. It was really... uh, interesting perspective to get and he's back here um for the weekend here doing some work with the canucks autism network uh which is great stuff i went to the luncheon last year as well you know that so uh i'm excited to see because the last year at the at the can uh luncheon brad may was telling all these stories i'm thinking you know now that bert's gonna be there he's gotta get up on stage and maybe like tell you what brad may's flubbing about and like now there's someone to back up these stories a little bit so yeah awesome to get him back here and i know that you know just from hearing him on Donnie and Dolly today as well. Like he loves coming back to Vancouver. If you see him in the street, say hi. Like he loves that. Um, yeah. Uh, and loves coming back to Vancouver. So that's awesome. That's all. Awesome. That was a great chat. Yeah. Good great chat. Good, all right. Good chat. Let's good talk chat. about trading every single player on this roster. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you know, our <laughs> next topic is trade options for this team. I, can we just, can we just point people to Canucks army? There's a le- Stefan Roger, my favorite writer went on Canucks army today and he wrote an article with 11 shakeup trades for the Vancouver Canucks. There he is. You know, and he, he did it based on magnitude. How much is it shaking things up? He used the Richter scale. Um, and he did 11 potential trades, starting with, you know, the ones that don't really make a difference, all the way down to Thatcher Demko was the highest. Uh, he didn't include Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes on that, and I, I've thought about that. I think trading those two is counterintuitive. I know you're getting the most haul if you let go of uh, Patterson and Hughes, but... Let's say you trade Patterson for two first-round picks or three first-round picks. You're hoping that one of those turns out to be half the player Elias Patterson is. I think it's counterintuitive. I think what this team needs to do right now, said it yesterday, I'll say it again. What this team needs to do right now, sit down, figure out the plan, figure out your competitive window, and make every move with that competitive window in mind. I would say the competitive window, if you're, you know, quote-unquote rebuilding, is probably two to four years, somewhere in there. Elias Patterson's still going to be around for that. Like, Elias Patterson's going to be good during that timeline, right. during your competitive window of when you hope to be good again. Why, why move on from him? Why move on from Quinn Hughes? And again, I, I don't want to open up the can of worms of, well, they might ask out. you got to communicate the plan, right? And if that's the case, then you have to kind of pivot, obviously. I'm saying right now, under the assumption that these two guys are okay having a team built around them, you don't trade those two guys right now. Oh, yeah. I think with some of these players that you have and certain options, Bo Horvat's obviously a big one. Seeing what the value for JT Miller is, I know people. a lot of people have wondered if there even is value uh, that you can get back. I still think you can get something for, for JT Miller back. I think there's a GM out there to do that. Uh, but, yeah, starting with the big stuff, like, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think you're, you want to hold on to Pedersen. You want to hold on to Hughes. But everything else should be up for conversation. Heck, if I'm being honest... I think Patterson and Hughes could be in the conversation as well. If you start like, Hey, what if you get around draft time and the Canucks 
think about like Pedersen for Bedard, right? To really like do something with this team. I mean, it's a, it's it's an option at least, or you have to at least hear the conversation out. Don't you have to? You'd have to attach a first to that. Yeah, like you'd have so. to give up Pedersen and your first round pick, yeah, which you could get a good player from mm-hmm. for Connor Bedard. I like everyone in the chat right now when you're like, go read the Canucks well, that's, article. That's the Everyone's like, just read it out to us. <laughs> we well, don't people, have time to read. People are like, I don't, I don't know how to read. Oh, and I, I was like, chat. oh, okay. Uh, so I'll read it. It starts with oh, Tyler God. Myers. No, not from no, the I'm top not going to read it. Okay. I'm gonna, not going to read the whole thing. I'm saying it starts with Tyler Myers, who Stefan has put as a 2.9 on the Richter scale. Very minor trade. We've heard there's interest. He's a right-handed defenseman, folks. There's obviously going to be interest. Travis Hamannick went for a third last year. Tyler Myers has to be able to get you a third or a second. And again, if you retain, if you retain 50%, right, you know, that's down to 3 million again. And he's a better defenseman than Travis Hamannick by all accounts. Then it goes like Tanner Pearson, Connor Garland's on that list. OEL's just unmovable. Um, Let's talk about one. We don't have to go through your damn list. I'm not going to go through the list. You talk about Stefan enough on this damn Luke show. Shen, Luke Shen is higher than JT Miller on the list in terms of shakeup. And I agree. What do you mean? Trading Luke up? Shen shakes up this team more than trading a JT Miller. It depends which way you look at shakeup, because if you're talking about the future and shaking things up for the future, moving JT Miller does a lot more. Not the future. Like right now, oh, this, in sending the room? a message, yeah, in the shaking room, up. Yeah, you're trading a veteran presence like that? Yeah, Shake for things sure. Up. No, for sure, but I mean, yeah, that's... And the future. Luke Shen's this team's future number one. He's going to be 44. He's got... Fir- he's got what did he go? Third overall, fourth overall, something like that. He's got fourth overall upside. Former fourth overall pick. You got. I'm keep curious that. with Brock Besser moving forward here, right? Like that's going to be interesting um, to see what happens with Besser's situation, where it's like again battling injuries, right? Another tough spot for him to start the season. Really wanted to get to 30 goals this year, but it's like, eh. like what? What's his value on the market? Even like I have no idea what Brock Besser's value on the market is. Wingers on the market are just so strange at this point. That's why I do think that you know, just just I think teams like Colorado, Washington, um, Carolina, potentially the Islanders are these teams looking for Bo Horvat, right? Like would would Colorado want to get Horvat on a seven year extension and think that he's going to be their two C for a long time? Like, could you imagine like building your team? And listen, Colorado's already built a lot of things around it, but having your 1C, 2C be like McKinnon, Horvat with really good surrounding pieces instead of like seeing what Horvat looks like as a 2C in Vancouver, like with good surrounding pieces in Colorado, I'm curious to see if Colorado wants to like, I don't even want to say open their window because obviously they just won the cup last year and they've been really good for the yeah. last few years. But man, if they want to just like commit to something, like is Horvat a player that a team like Colorado, who's very smart, right? Like very, like run very well, very smart. Would they commit to this type of player for long term? Just thinking that this is going to be how they want to move forward and build the top end of their lineup. I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see something like that, or even you know the other teams I mentioned, like Washington. What's their future look like? I don't know if he's a player that's going to be there long, long term if they end up trading for him. But a team like Carolina might be interested. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of interest in Horvat. We've heard it from a lot of the top insiders that. It's not. It might not just be Horvat either. Like other players are obviously being shopped, and I hope. I really do hope. Like I hope Patrick Alvine is having a lot of conversations today. He's got a day off. He's probably right down there right now in his office, and I hope he's having a lot of conversations today because I don't think yesterday's win has changed our thoughts very much on the future of this team. I was about to say switch to camera three, Alex, but we don't have a camera three up. I realized we. I can. I can put it back. Up. No, that's okay. Well, that's I got to okay. put it back up anyway. We're wrapping up. The show. There's like two minutes left in the show. You you go ahead and give the Betway wrap up. I don't. Right. 
I'm done. I'm done talking about trades. That was a fantastic conversation Alex with Mr. Like Bertuzzi. I don't know if Alex has seen it yet, but I got your boys here, Alex. I got uh, the Sens. Sens are winning tonight. Um, our Betway bets of the day. Play responsibly over there at Betway. I got the Ottawa Senators to win over being 6.5 goals and Tage Thompson, my boy, to score. So the Sens, they're playing up against the Sabres today. Um, so I got the Sens to win. Over 6.5 total goals. Tage Thompson to score in this game. Get that at plus 500. Uh, and then the other one I got, Alex, I'll let you chime in here in a second. But I got Alex Dabrinka as an anytime goal scorer at plus 130. He scored a couple goals, I think, on Saturday. Uh, and he's just been ripping it up with shots. Over 3.5. Get that at minus 110. Uh, and he played 20, uh, 25 minutes, Alex. Did you watch the game where, where Alex Dabrinka played 25 minutes? Did a player get injured or did he actually just play like 25 minutes? Uh, I'm not sure what happened. I had a no, you're on the emulator who uh, kept me from watching that one. Yeah, what's his name? Ash Ketchum. You got him on your emulator <laughs> over there. Tell you what, you're so mean to Alex. He's gonna leave the show. No, he's not. He's, Alex is leaving the show. I, I gave I'm, like what I'm the Ottawa Senators to win. I'm giving them. Uh, I'm I'm gonna watch that game tonight. I, I don't think that means as much to Alex as you think it does. I oh. like it. Yeah, see, <laughs> Alex is like a fan. Good shot that like the he's. Taking a lot of shots. Yeah, it, there's I, logic behind and, it. And you know what? Against Vancouver, when we watched that game, like he was, he was dangerous. He was, he was good. We got in the chat asking how the Pokemon's yeah, going. Isn't, well, isn't everyone dangerous against Vancouver? <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. Yeah, he's not wrong. Uh, yeah, we we'll have a Pokemon update maybe tomorrow, right, Alex? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, maybe. Okay, we'll need some help from the chat, to, uh, <laughs> but we'll have that going. Okay. Uh, 19 plus to play at Betway. Yeah. Important to note. Okay. That was fun. I, I had so much fun in that we, chat, man. Dude, Todd Bertuzzi. Like, he was that great. was awesome. Yeah. He was, like, I was I was really hoping it was going to be a good interview. I did not think it would go that well. Yeah. I hope he comes back. I hope he wants to come back on the show. You know who we got to have back is Sammy. Sammy Salo, yeah, man. You know, Sammy Salo is hard to track down. I know, but we did it once. We could do it again. Yeah. And it was so much fun when we did it. We, You know what? I remember that because that was, you know, during the pandemic, I was driving out to your place and we weren't, uh, you know, we were, we had to record these in person and you, you were like the only person I was seeing outside of like my immediate family. And mm-hmm. I, I went there, we did Sammy Salo, and then we did Tony Gallagher like the next day. Yeah. And those were our pandemic episodes. And that was so much fun. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. Good okay. episodes, yeah. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, uh, Alex Allard, our thanks to Todd Bertuzzi for joining us. Okay, what's going on here, Alex? <laughs> Camera three, baby. Uh, our thanks to Todd Bertuzzi for joining us. My name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much, folks, for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Bertuzzi, ring of honor. Do it. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.